Hi everyone, and welcome to Sustainability Explored, a podcast where every Thursday we explore what's hidden behind the scenes of the thought leaders and the most impressive disruptive minds working in sustainability, or other different sectors of economy who are integrating sustainability aspects into business operations. My name is Anam, I am an environmentalist, sustainability consultant, the host of this show, and since recently, also a career in sustainability personal consultant. If you want to advance your career in sustainability in 2021, you can book a session on my website. All the details are in the description. Check them out. Today, on the last day of this crazy 2020, Gru Dirnes joins us at Sustainability Explored. Gru is a director of Innovation Norway and a consul at the Norwegian Foreign Services in the US. And we're going to discuss today a super interesting, tickling topic, I even want to say. The predictions and the way forward for all things sustainability in 2021. This is the last episode of the year. We are releasing on 31st of December, and I'm very happy to welcome our distinguished guests to the virtual studio. Hi, Gru. I assume you will have something interesting to share and the listeners will enjoy what we have to say. But first, I always ask my guests to kind of introduce themselves a little bit more, their background, and... In your case, what led you from Norway to the U.S. and how was your path in sustainability? Welcome. Thank you so much, uh, Anna. It's a pleasure to be here with you. With with the introduction, the bar is set and I uh, (laughs) I don't think I can um, in any way answer to the expectations of being a thought leader in sustainability, but I believe we have some interesting examples from, from Norway how we work uh, that I can share that may give some some ideas about trends and uh, where we see this moving. And as you say, my name is Gru and I had uh, Innovation Norway in the US and Americas. And uh, Innovation Norway is the Norwegian government's most important instrument to um, trigger sustainable growth in Norwegian businesses. And uh, we collaborate very closely with the foreign affairs in order to have a position also internationally. And this is both to promote, obviously, Norwegian companies and products and systems and solutions, but also to identify good systems that we would like to see happen in Norway or implemented in Norway for our future to become even brighter or to at least stay at the same level of brightness let's let's put it that way because one of our biggest advantages in norway and the nordic region in broader is that we are considered and we consider ourselves very lucky in that we have great wealth based on sustainable governance and in norway we like to say that we're powered by nature we have amazing natural resources But we also have a governance model that has enabled us to bring that wealth and those resources forward to the generations to come. This has positioned Norway together with the other Nordic countries as one of the most livable countries in the world, 
where you find the happiest population. And this is not only based on financial wealth or a clean environment, but also on socioeconomic matters, such as very high-ranking gender equality. We cannot say we're there fully, but compared to, to many other regions of the world, for sure. And the equal access to healthcare system and an educational system that enable people from different parts of society to, to grow. And um, Innovation Norway's mandate is to both financially invest uh, in the projects of tomorrow, but also to advise, spar, mentor, coach, and build networks together with Norwegian industry and academia, etc. So my, my way into this is certainly by being Norwegian, you are bombarded with the importance of this sustainable governance from all angles of society. So it, it's kind of your, we like to say, we're, we're born by the sea and we live off and with the sea. So the sustainable governance is fundamental. Through my work, obviously, it is a critical to be promoting these sustainable systems internationally and also to take a role in securing the sustainable governance of this going forward. How did it happen? You know, while you were uh, presenting this topic, all we know in any point geographically in the world is that Scandinavian countries, Sweden, Norway, Finland, are leading the way to sustainability, to green growth, you know, balanced growth. And yeah, sustainability is about harmony and balance. Is there any, I want to say, silver bullet to this? What, what is it that, you know, maybe a national or international in Scandinavia trait of character, of caring about the nature or something else that you're always ahead of the rest of the planet in sustainable innovations and in the approaches? What is it? That, that's a great question. I have to say that the silver silver bullet, yeah, what, I don't think I have a clear answer, but I... I do have opinions with regards to what is an important platform for this to happen. And that is respect among different levels of a society or different players in the society, but also different levels in a organization. So for example, in Norway and the rest of Scandinavia for that matter, or the Nordics, the educational level, for example, between a worker at the floor in a factory and the CEO is not as substantial as we see, for example, in this in the US. That's because we we have a, a good basic educational system and also it's free to take higher education. That's already covered through your, your taxes. Uh, that gives everybody an opportunity, but it also gives everybody a certain level of... Um, arguments to come to a discussion with. And I think that also enable people and force people to have bigger respect for the fact that opinions can come from 
a lower level in the organization. It can come from academia to business, and it can even come from the political side, which is a big difference between what we see in the US, for example, the trust between the government and businesses and vice versa, because in the Nordics, we trust our government with the data, our data, our personal data, because we know that we get better services back. If they can handle our data, we get better services back. While that's certainly not the case in, in the US, most consumers in the US, for example, they trust the big tech companies with their data rather than the government. I think that's a huge advantage that we have. And also, it is an advantage that we have a fairly like, socio-democratic benefit system in that the distribution of economic power is uh, more equal than certainly in the US, where a CEO can, for example, earn 200 to 300 times as much as a factory worker, okay. while in Norway, that would rather be maybe like max 10 times or something like that, which um, enables people in different ways and also balances the power out a little bit more. Mm -hmm. You are now in the US, right? What exactly, I know you said in the beginning, promoting sustainability, Norwegian way, Norwegian companies. Now you're in the US and mm -hmm. acting as a director of innovations. What do you do in that role exactly? <laughs> yes, absolutely. So so we uh, spar with the Norwegian companies, but also clusters of companies in order to identify what are the opportunities in the US market or the broader American market and um, how can they position themselves to win contracts, for example, or to show the Norwegian system to the world, so to say, but also to identify companies in this market who have solutions that we think would be beneficial to pilot in Norway, both because it creates value creation in Norway, but also because it pushes us along the right track of developing our society. And that could be things like electronic mobility, so or electrification of the mobility industry, transportation, where Norway has been and is the leading market in the world, where we, for example, now have 60% of new cars sold in the Norwegian market are now electronic or zero emission vehicles. So, so to become that kind of pilot market and uh, to show the world that it's possible if you have regulations, if the regulations work, regulatory bodies work together with companies. And uh, also we obviously need to go to the world to identify the products that we can, uh, where we can prove this, this market opportunity. Mm -hmm. 2020 has been all about uncertainties. Like <laughs> to prepare for this interview, I checked the World Economic Forum report face yeah. in 2020, and there was an interesting graph impact and uh, likelihood of certain events happening. Funnily enough, viruses and diseases were placed in the quadrant of highest impact but lowest likelihood. 
Well, it turned out to be both very likely and very impactful, extremely impactful. And all the environmental and social issues such as climate change, food security, water security, weather conditions changing by the stakeholders working on this report were placed in the quadrant of highest impact, highest likelihood, alarm, alarm. Mm. We are now entering 2021. 2020 is almost behind Mm. us. What can we expect? What have you noticed? Because you had so much exposure and you still have so much exposure to different businesses, different countries, different markets. What can we expect in 2021 in terms of sustainability, businesses, startups? Where are we headed? So uh, I, I wish I had a clear answer. <laughs> but I'm fishing. I'm fishing for predictions. <laughs> I certainly have some. Uh, we, we see patterns, obviously. And as you say, what a year 2020 has been. I mean, when you think nothing more can happen now, we have the next thing coming, right? So, so that's the negative side of it. But looking at the... If there are positive sides to this, then um, for sure we we have had a a nudge in so many ways in the sustainability direction uh, this year, and um, I can share some of the trends that we very clearly see. And uh, this will not be rocket science for 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 probably for anybody, but but at the holistic level, obviously travel, right? All travel has stopped. And um, our prediction going forward is that when travel is picking up again, people will be looking for more sustainable destinations, more sustainable products. Uh, For example, we see in Sweden that even before Corona hit, uh, there was a phenomenon that they call flight shame uh, that was spreading amongst younger people. They certainly did, did not want to fly anymore. I think Greta Thunberg's uh, sail across the sea to New York was a very good uh, say, example of that. That's one thing. Uh, health. We've seen um, much needed disruption in the health system in that uh, telemedicine has not only been regulated for or, or it's been opened up for telemedicine, but it's also picked up extensively we we believe that that will continue and we hope that that will continue and for sure we see that investors are looking at health and understand the the need to invest in that uh, in that industry and it's also becoming financially maybe more interesting when it comes to mobility this is a trend that has been going on for a longer period of time, but we now see that, for example, California has set comparable targets to what Norway set many years ago with regards to the electrification of the on-land mobility fleet, passenger vehicles, not allowing fossil-fueled vehicles to be sold in California after 2030. I think that's incredibly ambitious. Yeah. For just a, 10 years, that's nothing. And also with an understanding of the energy sector that uh, 
the Americas has or the US has. We've also seen the electrification, but also zero emission fuel in the broader transportation sector. For, for example, we see now cargo vessels being electrified, but also uh, automated. We already have passenger vessels or passenger ferries in Norway, 100% electric. We have cargo vessels, electric and automated. So we see that continue. We also see that uh, Corona has led to people eating more obviously at home and that they start to care more about where the food that they eat come from. So uh, origin tracking, recycling. We see that people eat more seafood and less shellfish because that's more difficult to prepare at home. We believe that that will continue. When we talk about origin tracking and uh, local produce, uh, we see that that will also hit traditional industries, not only food uh, value chains. So 3D printing, for example, which also creates more local content and um, employment opportunities. So there are probably things that I've forgotten now, but uh, those are some some of the bigger bigger trends that we see at least. You know something that I that drew my attention in that report from the World Economic Forum was a big block on climate risks and the assessment of climate risks. Okay. In my professional life, I am doing the environmental and social risks assessment, mapping of stakeholders, reporting under the GRI standard. Yeah, global reporting initiative. Not sure if it's called a standard. <laughs> it's been a while. But climate and climate risks is still something volatile. You know, it's something that we cannot uh, grasp. And yeah. I see if environmental and social aspect is a must. For example, for big financial, international financial institutions, you have to report according to their templates, you have to read and implement their policies and so on. The climate risks are a little bit on the side, like we will keep it for later. Yes, there are initiatives like CDP and so on, but they are not strong enough yet. And in particular, what I was curious about when I was reading it is direct application of climate risks on financial markets on real estate you know you get a loan even a personal loan to get something in Miami well some insurance company will have to estimate climate risks because mm. in 10 years you might not have this house anymore yes Floods, tornadoes climate change etc what, what about that aspect Yes, fantastic What point, and thank you for bringing that up. So that is an important point that I forgot to, to mention, and we, we see this across, actually. So to give some examples, we, we run a bank ourselves to fund or invest in projects that are innovative and that are pushing us forward. And in all the projects, we investigate the sustainability aspect, currently primarily focused on the environmental aspect. So next stage will be socioeconomic aspect. 
last year before Corona hit, 51% of the projects that we invested in or that we financed in some way or another or contributed to were pushing us in a more sustainable direction than the alternative projects today. So that's our internal uh, kind of measure. Uh, we also see that the Norwegian Sovereign Wealth Fund, they are pushing the international markets forward. Uh, they have an, a portfolio of more than one trillion US dollars. It has ownership in, I believe, 2% of the world's noted companies. So it is an extremely important force to push forward when it comes to, to new standards in the uh, capital industry. Their new CEO has been very clear on uh, pushing for more sustainable investments going forward. And they obviously release capital from other co-investors. And you can see all their decisions, all the decisions that they make in the general assemblies, etc., they're all transparent and communicated on their website and BIM. So that's one way of, of pushing. We also see that the popularity of uh, so-called ESG funds, funds focusing on environment, social and corporate governance initiatives is racing, uh, increasing pretty much all over. But certainly in Norway, I don't think you see a new fund these days that are not focused on either ocean, energy, etc. Then last but not least, we also see the development from the insurance companies and pension banks with regards to pension, where we now see, for example, some of the biggest cooperatives in the real estate industry, mm -hmm. they invest their pension, the pension for their employees in funds that are considered sustainable. And this is a collaboration between a company called Obos, which is uh, the capital of Oslo, real estate cooperation, and Nordia, which is a Nordic bank, a leading Nor Nordic bank. So we do see that uh, not only do some of the larger companies actually push for this, but also the employees are motivated by working for companies who set these standards and who invest their pensions and their insurances in more sustainable solutions. And I think our prime minister, when she met President Trump uh, some time back, she was very clear on one particular thing, and that is that Norway considers green good business. It's not out of altruism. It can be that too, but it's because it's good business. So um, we are fortunate in that we have very clear leadership and that, that let's say, hesitation to, is this really a, a thing? Is climate mm -hmm. really a thing? <laughs> climate change? That is not the discussion in the Nordics, right? And we're very lucky to, to have that situation because then everybody is pushing for the same direction, at least more or less. You know, I'm I'm so happy you you mentioned it and you you bring this up because this is something I'm trying to communicate even with this podcast. Sustainability is not a privilege; it's not a luxury aspect to have in the business. From one side, it's the only way the business can be nowadays. Like, why at all were we doing things otherwise? 
And then it's also beneficial, you know, it's beneficial for your reputation, it's beneficial for your finances, and it's beneficial for your people, either inside of the corporation or company or outside of it, and for the planet per se. If you were to, let's imagine there is a person who is just starting in sustainability. There are many people who are in the middle of their career, that were doing something, you name it, in any different, in, in any industry, marketing, finance, uh, be it transport, it doesn't matter. But now they see like, okay, I was doing something wrong all this time. I want to shift and transform and I want to have some impact. I want to leave some legacy and I want to do something good to the planet. Meaning how do I shift into sustainability? For someone who is just starting, where do you think they should focus, which area of sustainability they should focus on in 2021? Or what, what's the area that needs that attention more, most? Well, I think, uh, to be honest, that there are huge opportunities in all industries to impact uh, this is a more sustainable direction. And that's also one of the challenges, I would say, because especially for, for us working with the Norwegian ecosystem is like, where can we have most impact? And so, so I believe um, it, it has realized that you can have an impact irrespectively of what industry you work with. And that's in the, the less sustainable industries now, the impact can be even bigger, mm-hmm. uh, more substantial. Uh, but I believe that it's important not to kind of overwhelm yourself with the fact that so much need to be done and the, the road is so long and rather say, you know, what are the small the lower ambitions that we can have along the way to reach a bigger ambition and that you need to be willing to communicate a big ambition and uh, be willing to fail and learn along the way. Because uh, what we've seen uh, has been really effectful in Norway has been that there we have had politicians who have had grand visions and at the time when the vision was set, it seemed unrealistic. But when, when the ambition is set, you have to regulate for it. And then the incentives come in place. And then it is meaningful for the businesses to follow. And then the individuals, you know, have an opportunity. So I think it's important to, um, to set an ambition make it achievable through short-term milestones and never kind of doubt that we as individuals can contribute in some way or another. Uh, because uh, the fact that we have operated, we can always become better, right? All of us. You, you reminded me of a, of a quote, I think, by Nelson Mandela. It always seems impossible until it's done. Mm-hmm. And this is the example Norway and other Scandinavian countries are set in. As you said, first, in the beginning, you look at the strategy and at the plan of the politician, 
and it seems impossible. There is no way this is going to be achieved by 2030 or 2050. And then it's done because the right steps have been performed. Will Norway surprise us with innovations in sustainability next year? Is there anything in brewing? (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) Yeah, for, for sure, uh, particularly within three areas, and that is uh, the maritime industry, ocean, anything ocean, both related to the shipping industry and mobility at sea. So uh, zero emission transportation, both when it comes to hydrogen fuel, electrification, automation, etc., uh, 3D printing, but also aquaculture, both uh, land-based and offshore or more traditional aquaculture, energy optimization. We already have um, the lowest energy prices in the market, entirely clean energy, hydropower. And uh, that is not, uh, a large part of the world has not either realized this or taken the advantage of it by, for example, placing energy requiring production, manufacturing, in Norway. Uh, and, and we believe that we will see that both from battery production, from uh, data storage, quantum quantum computing, for example, uh, but also more traditional manufacturing, simply because by doing it in Norway, you already impact the sustainability aspect because of the, the clean energy. We believe that in general, it's uh, valuable to look to the Nordics for trends, uh, simply because the Nordics are fairly small markets, but um, tech-savvy and with high purchasing power. So it's good test markets. And Norway, particularly with anything related to energy, transportation and uh, aquaculture. So those are the areas that we uh, we typically um, would, in general, promote what's happening in Norway. And you can extend the, the energy aspect to also optimization of grids, of buildings, for example, smart buildings, and um, how to optimize the, the energy usage and, and waste and recycling aspects. So those are the areas to watch out for. And I think... In general, I would say the Nordics is a good place to look for trends uh, in this aspect. And it's also generally a good place to pilot new solutions. So startups within these areas and very focused on sustainability, do not hesitate to get in touch with us. We collaborate very closely with the other Nordic countries as well. And we would love to investigate how we can work with you um, to to bring new sustainable solutions to the market. I'm listening to you and I, I cannot help but ask, do you accept people for internships or something to send them to Norway to just breathe that air of innovation and sustainability? Because it honestly, it feels like, you know, we are all made of the same, we say, doll. We all have heads, same hands and, and legs. And yet you have this um, freshness of the thought and some kind of commitment that is coming top to bottom and bottom to the top. You go to to any regular person, 
they know why they are sorting the garbage. They know that the organic waste goes into the biogas uh, uh, factory and this biogas is then used to fuel the transport. So they are aware of that life cycle. They know why they do it, what is it for, how the price is, is you know, what it's made of. And it's always, you know, um, fair in a way, you know, it's fair to the planet. It's fair, you earlier in the, in the beginning, you said gender equality. It's fair to everyone, to all believing creatures, humans, and not only socially, planetary, etc. So what is that secret to that, be not even behavior, first mindset shift that you that you think is is there so so uh we were talking a little bit about this silver bullet in the beginning yes. right so i'm not gonna repeat myself on that but i i want to emphasize that we're now talking about all the advantages about norway and the nordics right uh but at the same time i have spent my last six years in the us and my colleagues spend time in 35 countries all over the world and that's because we know that like we have so much to learn mm -hmm. and we are part of a bigger society and personally for example just coming to silicon valley and and experiencing the innovation spirit and the dynamic and the speed and the agility that those are things that we can can learn from the US, right? Or from Silicon Valley specifically. And, and we have that for all, all markets around the world where we are play, based. So it's not so that we have the solution, not at all. And also we are, we are just a part of the much bigger ecosystems, particularly when it comes to sustainability. I would say more, yes, there are programs in place and, and MOUs and collaboration agreements, etc., uh, in place that we can leverage, both for us to come and learn from other countries, but also for other international thought leaders and uh, people who want to make a difference to, to investigate how they can be part of the Norwegian ecosystem for sure. And we are happy to talk to businesses or academia, uh, etc who who would be interested in investigating how we can do this more more specifically it's difficult to be specific on such a huge yeah. question but um yes we that's what we are here for we are here to uh, both promote the the best and sustainable solutions to the international market but also to help international innovations to prove their market in Norway, if that is a good fit with what we can offer of, of framework. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, it sounds very exciting and clearly we're just scratching the surface. It's all that is possible to do in, in such a short time, but I suggest we do like a part two in a while, in some time to see how 2021 surprised us with what, what worked and what didn't. Right now, how, how can uh, listeners get in touch or check the website? So I leave it in the... Yes. So, so I recommend to check us out at explorer.no, actually. That is 
what we call like a Tinder for sustainable business. It's not so that we expect huge companies to find each other on explorer.no, but it's our uh, effort to exhibit some of the great solutions that we can offer from Norway to the world and also invest in Norway, which is uh, where we try to promote the value propositions that we offer to international companies looking to build their businesses uh, abroad. So I would look to those two and for sustainable travel or tourism, visit Norway. Thank you so much. One last question that I always ask my guests, what would be one piece of advice you could give to the listeners of Sustainability Export? Yeah, so I think I want to loop back to what I said a little bit earlier. Do not lose faith in the fact that you can actually make a difference and and set targets for yourself and what you want to achieve. And if you don't achieve it, then go in a learning loop and and ask yourself why and and never lose sight of the bigger bigger goal which will be very far ahead so we need to just keep grinding and keep hustling because um, your success for example Anna I'm depending on your success <laughs> and you're depending on my success right in this uh, journey yeah yeah and the better you do the better we all collectively do that's true exactly. that's I don't know how it works, this magic, but it's true. And the other thing I would like to say in that respect is um, something that I learned when I came here to the US, actually, which is such a competitive uh, ecosystem, but it made me realize how important it is to collaborate when you can and compete when you must, because we cannot achieve the huge goals or ambitions alone. And so, for example, when when you are based in Norway, it's very easy to look to Sweden as a huge competitor. While when you come to the U.S., you realize, like, nobody really cares, right? They care what you can bring to the table. And together, we can bring so much more to the table. And we're much more interesting. And we're a bigger market. And we think alike. But we also have some of the same challenges. So I think that's my second advice, to collaborate when you can and compete only when you must. I love it. It's such a deep philosophy. Well, thank you so much for for sharing it. And I get, you know, these ideas. Sometimes we get a little bit naive. Oh, we must collaborate. It's always better. It is beneficial, but it's really not always the case. So there is this great distinction, such a short and snappy sentence, advice, phrase, that uh, it really sits well uh, in the mind. Groom, I thank you so much for taking your time to share the trends and predictions and the way forward in 2020 one with the listeners of this podcast i wish you to find to find those uh, companies to match them with the right investors and vice versa and i hope the listeners will take this opportunity to check the websites i'm leaving everything in the show notes let's hope for a better 2021 let's roll up our sleeves starting from tomorrow january 1st <laughs> and let's go back to work Thank you again. 
Thank you so much, Anna. It was a pleasure. Thanks. Ciao, ciao. Well, that was us with Gru Dearness from Innovation Norway, episode number 69, season six. Uh, the last interview, the last episode of 2020 on sustainability export. I hope this interview inspired you to take some kind of action, gave you a little bit of clarity of where to go in the next year and set you in the right mood for rolling up your sleeves and working towards a more sustainable future. I want to use this opportunity to say Happy New Year, everyone, all the listeners that joined us in 2020 that are entering 2021 with us who want to have this positive impact, positive footprint on the world and who are interested to know about the news across countries, across industries, across uh, startups, companies, uh, corporations, established entities and people turning this world to a more environmentally and people-friendly place. Happy 2021, everyone. Let's hope it's gonna get better soon. It's gonna definitely be better professionally and personally for all of us. And let's welcome the new year with the positive outlook. Hope you loved our interview. Hope you enjoyed listening to it. I definitely enjoyed discovering the variety of topics with you today and every Thursday of this year. Uh, probably you have noticed the episodes were released consistently every Thursday. We didn't miss a single episode, a single day, a single Thursday. And that was my personal big commitment. And uh, it transformed me. It made me a different person, hopefully a much better person. Off to 2021. I promise to surprise you with a lot of interesting guests in the upcoming year. I already know who we will welcome in January. And stay with us if you want to discover more of sustainability news, more applications of sustainability in different industries. If you're looking for a career or transforming in your career path to become a, a sustainability professional, stay with us. I promise you will not be disappointed. To wrap it up, reach out on LinkedIn. I don't bite. I always answer my messages. Reach out to, to my guest, anyone who you think you should try contacting if you want me to connect you with any one of my guests, again, I'm very open to it. Challenge me with your questions, suggest guests, maybe become a guest yourself, and let's stay in touch. Let's, let's keep this wonderful journey rolling. Let's be in it all together. This was Sustainability Explored. Episode number 69, the last episode of 2020, and me, your usual host, Anna Chashna. Thank you again for listening, for being with us today and always, and until next time, next Thursday. Take care, stay sustainable. <laughs>